mediated conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes to 9 this Tuesday morning. Time for your mediated conversation this morning. Last week at the judges' conference, the Chief Justice Raymond Zondel said he would meet with President Sura Ramaphosa this week to discuss issues around the independence of the judiciary. In particular, Judge Zondel says magistrates are not fully independent because they are technically employed by the Justice Ministry. In other words, magistrates, as I understand it, do not come under the office of the Chief Justice as High Court judges do. At the same time, Zondo says, in fact, the judiciary is not fully independent, despite plans going back many years to finish the process of making judges and the entire judiciary completely independent of the executive. You can imagine how contentious they could be, particularly at a time when there are many contentious issues in government. At the same time, Zonda saying last week that judges are often being attacked in public and cannot defend themselves in public, which means that there may need to be some mechanism to protect them. So then, what changes do we need to make? How do we make them? And how should all of this work? This is your mediated conversation this morning. Firstly, you'll hear from... from Magistrate Neelan Karakan, the President of the Judicial Officers Association of ASA, representing, as I understand it, primarily magistrates. Then, what kind of system should we have? Does it matter that we have the system we do now? Professor Umpameze Sabanda is a Professor of Law at the University of Lumpopo, and in fact a Dean there. And then the view from KSAC. Dan Mofora is a Senior Researcher for the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. We start then with Magistrate Neelan Karakan. Magistrate Karakan, good morning to you and thank you for your time this morning. Good morning, uh, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. You say you want a singularly effective and independent judiciary. What do you mean? What do you believe needs to change? Uh, Stephen, currently, it's only the High Court judges that are falling within the office of the Chief Justice. And the administration of the judiciary is currently controlled by the Department of Justice. And that's uh, another arm of government. The the idea is to bring at least the lower court judiciary, which is currently uh, predominantly under the Department of Justice. We need to be brought under the office of the Chief Justice. And that's that's quite quite important in uh, creating a single judiciary. Is there a constitutional reason to do this? Was this always supposed to happen and never did? Or has the issue just never come up? Uh, Stephen, this was something that was always supposed to happen. It's been more than a decade that uh, the ministry was supposed to actually fast track this whole process of unifying the judiciary. And uh, for some for some reason, there's no real will to implement. Uh, at the judges' conference, the three-day conference that was recently held, uh, those were one of the, the resolutions that were taken, that this needs to be fast tracked. And currently, the judiciary uh, is speaking with one voice. It, it was a watershed conference in that the judiciary was able to sit under one roof, all levels of judicial officers, from district court magistrates, regional court magistrates, to, to high court judges. And that has never happened before. It cannot be that when we refer to the judiciary, we are referring purely to the high court. And when you look at the lower court, there's largely a reference to the magistracy. And we cannot have an institution of the judiciary and the magistracy as being almost two separate entities. It's very important when we deal with three arms of government, the judiciary needs to be brought under one umbrella and we must fall under the office of the Chief Justice with the Chief Justice being our our head. Having the Ministry of Justice being in control over our administration 
and court processes just doesn't make sense. It actually interferes with our independence. And we, and when we talk about about capture, uh, really, we, we cannot have a situation where uh, one arm of government is controlling another arm of government administratively. It, it really affects our independence. Is there any evidence that the setup as it currently is has affected the rulings and decisions that magistrates make? I mean, that's the nub of the issue, isn't it? Well, no, not really. It hasn't really affected uh, decision-making uh, within the judiciary, whether judges' uh, judgments or whether you're referring to magistrates' court judgments. Remember, we already have uh, a large degree of independence through the Judicial Service Commission, and we also have the Magistrates' uh, uh, Commission, which regulates us. And we also have the South African Judicial Education Institute, which is an independent body that's responsible for the training of our magistrates and of our judges. So when it comes to our independence and our ability to give our decisions independently, uh, that hasn't really been affected. But when it comes to efficiency, uh, bringing the, t- taking the uh, judiciary or the or lower courts away from the Department of Justice will most definitely increase efficiency because we will be in a position to ensure that our our courts are sufficiently capacitated, whether it's um, interpreters, whether it's stenographers and admin staff uh, generally. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, we fall under the uh, the administration falls within the, the the director general and under the the Department of Justice, and we have basically don't have direct control over efficiency. We we have to always be uh, almost hat in hand referring to the Department of Justice for any support service that we might need. And that's clearly problematic because we don't have direct control. Is there anything the Justice Department or government gains from keeping this financial control, this control of administration? Is there any reason why they would want to keep things as they are? You know, I I don't want to really speculate in, in that regard, but clearly it's a substantial component and the movement from the Department of Justice, to my mind, uh, should not be a difficult issue. The infrastructure is already there. It's all about the reporting process. When you deal with the court manager and the, the people that are overall in control of the administration, those uh, individuals and role players must report through the judge president's office and to the, the, to the chief justice's office. It cannot be that they are reporting to the ministry because that, that, that really interferes with our independence. We are unable to effectively really deal with, with the issues that we face every day. Uh, Magistrate Karakan, I mean, you said at the beginning, last week's conference was historic. It was the first time everyone in the judiciary was under one roof. Um, and then there were these quite strong statements by, by the Chief Justice. Do you believe government will actually go ahead and make these changes now? Um, the comments attributed to the Chief Justice suggested the only way the judiciary could do it would actually be to litigate, which is just too complex for my mind to even imagine. But, um, I mean, do you think that it would require pressure to make government actually move in this direction? Um, absolutely, Stephen. Uh, litigation should, should never be really an option for the judiciary. Remember, we are presiding over these types of matters, and the High Court judges will eventually preside. So it's it's like... It's a bit of an anomaly. It's it's really problematic because uh, the judiciary should not be placed in a position where they have to exercise their rights through the courts because we are we are actually sitting there. We expect the 
uh, Department of Justice to implement their mandate because they are obliged to uh, to have incrementally uh, supported and fast-tracked the implementation of a single judiciary. And it was always uh, envisaged that the lower court judiciary was going to fall within the office of the Chief Justice. But for the last 10 years, there has been zero movement in terms of legislation and whatever needs to be done to bring us under that umbrella. And when we talk about a single judiciary, we are, talk we are talking about lots of things. We are talking about legislative changes when it comes to uh, the Superior Courts Act uh, and also the lower courts. We want to create a single courts act and we want to create a single uh, set of rules that will govern the High Court and the Magistrates Court. Currently, we are disjointed because we have the Magistrates Court rules. We, we, we deal with similar types of issues, whether it's summary judgment here and summary judgment in, in the High Court. But specifically, we are referring to different rule numbers. It's really a duplication. And those types of things really need to be fast-tracked in order to create a, a proper, uh, effective single judiciary. Magistrate, thank you. Magistrate Neelan Karakan is the president of the Judicial Officers Association representing primarily magistrates. You're this FM 17 minutes to nine. Your mediated conversation around the judiciary and complete independence for the judiciary continues. Professor Umpamete Sabanda is a professor at the University of Limpopo. In fact, I should say a dean, I think it is. Professor Sabanda, good morning and thank you for your time. Uh, good morning to other panel members. Um, we've heard their magistrate Karakan making the point that magistrates, courts, and high courts have different rules. Does that matter? Do we need to make a change? You know, it is perhaps, perhaps you know, strange uh, that uh, after the so-called Vision 2000, that was envisaged to help us create a single judiciary. Up to this stage, as Maxit said, nothing has moved. And besides that, I think I can take it further to say the current situation or arrangement, it borders along the line of unconstitutionality, in my view, because the magistrates are the judiciary in a normal society. And when you look at your Section 165 of the Constitution, it says that the Chief Justice is the head of the judiciary with the responsibility to exercise over the establishment military of norms and standards for the judicial functions of all courts. So are we then saying magistrates do not, are not courts in terms of the constitution? Why are we singling them out of the office of the chief justice? It is high time that this really independence must be given back to all judiciary, including magistrates. Um, so, so I understand that people in the judiciary will find this very important. The question for most ordinary people would be, will it affect the speed of cases? Will it lead to better justice? Will it lead to a more efficient system for them, a bit more efficient system of justice? You know, if, 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 if you, you, you are in hospital, you have a, a specialist doctor to run the hospital normally. And then why not have the chief justice, who's also a member of the judiciary, judiciary trains to help administer, you know, the, the magistrates or other branches of, of, of the judiciary as the, the, the courts. And in my view, it will further improve at the current good administration that is happening in the, the magistrates by the magistrates itself. Of course, there are problems here and there, but then I think it will, it will also boost even the morale and even the professional outlook of the of our courts if we have a single judiciary in this particular in that particular sense. Um, so it may be the right thing to do. Government's got a lot of things on its plate right now. Do you believe the Justice Department is going to do it, or will there be resistance? 
I think the Justice Department will still continue to drag its feet. And I believe with the, the Chief Justice that now perhaps some kind of a pressure must be brought to bear on the Department of Justice. I mean, look, when you talk about independence, it should be independence both as institutions and as individuals. But the institution whereby the Minister of Justice is responsible for, you know, for the appointment of the magistrate, of course, on advisement by the magistrate uh, commission, responsible for the Department of Justice, responsible for administration of the magistracy, heads dealing with the court and judicial matters, and also Department of Public Works. On the other hand, I think this important division of our judiciary is basically pulled apart in different directions. Within all of this, there's actually a debate at the moment around whether how the Judicial Service Commission, which recommends judges for appointment, manages itself and makes those decisions. Um, and we've seen from time to time complaints around people who become appointed magistrates or retained as magistrates by the Magistrates Commission. Do we need to change the appointment process if we're changing the whole thing and we needed to change that? Would this be a good moment? I think let's do a, a, a complete once-off overhaul of all the issues that are basically the, the tax spot of our judiciary. The first being the, both the composition of both the Judicial Service Commission and also the Mixed State uh, 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 Commission, because you do have a, quite a lot of political appointees in them. And that is another factor that will always really affect the functioning of these two institutions. But in particular, I would also go an extra mile to say, you know, across the whole of Southern African region, the the constitutions are very silent on the issue of uh, political parties as members of these judiciary commissions. Except in my view, you know, when you look at the constitution of Tanzania, it is very explicit to say that you cannot, you shall never qualify to be appointed as a member of the commission if you are a member of parliament or a holder of an office prescribed as such, almost as a member of parliament by, 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 by the government. So I think that's a, a, a way to go. Um, the other issue that the judge spoke, that uh, the Chief Justice Raymond Zondo spoke about last week, is attacks on judges. So politicians, sometimes ordinary people, uh, we've seen uh, the leader of a political party actually attacking the magistrate who was hearing a case against him. We've seen all of these comments. Judges say they can't protect themselves, and I think in a way they must be right. It would probably be wrong for them to get, you know, to, to step into the court of public opinion. Why do you think so many people are attacking judges and magistrates in this case? What's changed in our society that's leading to that? I think that there's some kind of desperation of seeing a, a, a judiciary outcome sometimes really uh, that favor a particular way or the way certain things must be done, whether, uh, you know, their, their texts are, are, are justified or the, the, the capture perceived or real. It is something that the, the judges uh, or the, the, the judiciary must live with. And so far, I think our judiciary has been resilient, you know, against this kind of attacks. But then, Stephen, let's look at uh, the freedom of the judiciary. For instance, if you are going to have about 170 uh, attorneys suspended or being struck off the roll for unscrupulous acts against the RSA, that becomes a problem. Because if some of those are going to ascend to, to the bench at a magistrate or you know, the higher court, so what you have, you are going to end up always having people doubting 
you know, mm. the good work that is being done by members of or judicial officers. Is there a risk that over time there will be no legitimacy for the judiciary? People just won't respect them anymore, and then we have no one to resolve disputes in society. You said it better. Professor Umpermetse Sabanda, thank you very much indeed. A dean at the University of Limpopo Law Professor there. In a moment, Dan Mofora, Senior Researcher at the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. You with SFM, your mediated conversation will continue 10 minutes to 9. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Continuing your mediated conversation at nine minutes to nine around the independence of the judiciary and the attacks that people make against judges. Dan Mofara is the senior researcher at the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. Dan, good morning. Thanks for your time. Morning, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. So, obviously, uh, to listen, to hear from the magistracy and to hear from Professor Sabanda, there seems to be a strong case to make big changes. Is this the right moment to make big changes for magistrates, or should we maybe wait for a better moment? And do I need to remind you there's an election coming next year and no one wants to do anything before then? <laughs> well, Stephen, it, this thing has been going on since the the dawn of democracy, right? This conversation has uh, a very long history stretching back to the 2000s, the early 2000s, and very little has happened. Um, And we heard last week from the deputy, sorry, from Chief Justice Zondo, that um, even during the the, the tenure of uh, Judge Chief Justice uh, Mohueng Mohueng, no progress was made um, to kind of move to 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 towards a, a judicial judiciary led uh, model of 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 judicial um administration and so if this is not the right moment i don't know when the right moment would be but certainly it is long overdue the other issue that's been coming up is the attacks that we see on judges. And I know some people will claim that judges or magistrates are responsible for the attacks that they actually receive. Um, people last week suggested that actually judges can't really do anything to defend themselves from these public attacks. Is there anything they should do to stop these attacks from happening in the first place? Or are, in fact, the attacks the result of something else? Look, I think the attacks are... Uh, absolutely the the result of something else. I don't think there's anything that judges can do um, to shield themselves from such attacks. And, you know, these attacks are not new. They have become quite frequent, which is which is concerning, but they're not new. They're not something that hasn't happened before. And I think the Chief Justice was absolutely, uh, not even the Chief Justice, the Judge President, um, Justice um, Dustin Lambo was... Yeah. Yes, was absolutely correct last week when he said the profession is not doing enough to defend judges because that is the role of an independent legal profession. They're supposed to, 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 to guarantee the integrity and the independence of the judiciary. And so when the judiciary comes under fire, the organized profession needs to come out and say, no, you know, this is not how you are supposed to do things because ultimately, and this is the point that you made with, with, with the professor, that has an impact on their legitimacy. That has an impact on their integrity and we can't have judges responding publicly and getting involved in in public spats because that is also not a good look and so i don't think that there's anything that judges um are doing that is that is that is, that that warrants these kinds of attacks but i also don't think that they can do anything i think that the profession should step up and defend judges by the profession do you mean lawyers 
I mean lawyers, I mean the advocates, I mean the uh, attorneys, um, everyone who is involved in the administration of justice and has kind of organized um, themselves according to, to, to professional uh, affiliations, I think, should should come out in defense of judges. It seems to me there are actually going to be more and more attacks like this, um, and for various reasons. Mm. Um, if we were to lose, if the judiciary were to lose legitimacy, I mean, what happens? If we don't have people who can resolve disputes, that basically means that people fight each other rather than actually go to court. So people will almost perhaps use physical violence rather than go to court and argue. Mm. Absolutely. That is the complete collapse of the rule of law. You'll see more vigilantism. You'll see more self-help. Uh, you'll see, you know, people just taking the law into their own hands. It's a completely law- lawless society um, if judges are not able to command that that moral authority to order people to resolve disputes and have those decisions implemented by the executive, by the police, by the sheriffs and all of these other officials whose job it is to carry out the 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 um the 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 orders of courts. That is why legitimacy is so important and it's so difficult because um, to maintain because it's intangible, right? And it's very fragile um, and can easily, easily be destroyed. And that is why it's so important that we shield as best as we can judges from the kinds of attacks that we have been seeing. There are going to be more conversations now, I suspect, around how to protect judges or not, how to appoint mm. judges and the institutional arrangements we should have for judges and magistrates. Are there examples mm. we should follow? Are there some examples maybe we should avoid? I'll give you an example of one I think we should avoid. I think we should avoid the way the United States appoints Supreme Court judges. Um, mm. But mm. do you think there are other examples of better institutional frameworks that we can use that we can point to and say, let's learn from that? Mm. So surprisingly, the the U.S. actually has a really uh, good uh, model of judicial um, administration where the judges are in charge of their own budget, are in charge of operational issues in their courts. Um, And so so far as, as, as institutional arrangements are concerned for the functioning of the judiciary, the U.S. is a good example to look at. Um, on the question of appointments, I think a serious conversation will need to be had about the JSC, about its current comp- composition and about whether or not it is actually fit for purpose. And if we are moving to uh, an institution or a one judiciary model where the magistracy also falls under the control of the chief justice, then we will need to streamline the appointments process and that will necessitate a, a complete overhaul of the JSC. And I think, you know, there are very difficult conversations that will need to be had about who gets to sit on the JSC, who doesn't get to sit, um, taking into account the 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 performance of the JSC that we have seen um, over the over the last 30 years. Um, Dan Mofora, thank you very much indeed. Really do appreciate the tam- time. Dan Mofora is a senior researcher for the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. My thanks also to Professor Umpometse Sabanda, uh, professor at the University of Lumpopo, a dean there in the law faculty, and starting us off today in your mediated conversation, the magistrate, Nilan Karakan, the president of the Judicial Officers Association of South Africa. That mediated conversation, as always, available for you as a podcast in a few moments.